Incredible Adventures by Algernon Blackwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Patrick seventy nine. Story one: The Regeneration of Lord Ernie. Part eleven. From the obituary notices of the ninth Marquess of Oakham. The following selections have their interest. He succeeded to his father, then in the cabinet as Minister of Foreign Affairs, at the age of twenty-one. His career was brief but singular. The early magnificence of the younger Pitt, offering a standard of comparison, though by no means a parallel, to his short record of astonishing achievement. His effect upon the world first as the chief of the government labour department, and subsequently as the home secretary and minister of war, is described as shattering, even cataclysmic. His public life lasted five years. He died at the age of twenty-nine. His personality was revolutionary and overwhelming. For judging by these extracts, he was a Napoleonic figure whose personal influence combined the impetus of Maribo and the dominance of Alexander. His authority held an incalculable element, precisely described as uncanny. His spirit was puissant, elemental, his activity irresistible. Yet according to another journal, he was, properly speaking, neither intellectual, astute, nor diplomatic, and possessed as little subtlety as might be expected of a minor whose psychology was called upon to explain the Trinity. In no sense was he statesman, and even less strategist, yet his name swept Europe, changed the map of the nearer East, its mere whisper among the chancelleries convulsing men's counsels with an influence almost menacing. His enthusiasm appears to have been amazing. Some stupendous and untiring energy drove through him, paralyzing attack and rendering the bitterest and most skilful opposition nugatory. His hand was imperious upsetting with a touch the chessboard set by the most able statecraft, and his voice was heard with a kind of reverence in every capital. The brevity of his astonishing career called for universal comment, as did the hypnotizing effect of his singular ascendancy. In five short years of power he achieved his sway. He rushed upon the world, he shook it, he retired, as one journal picturesquely phrased it. The manner of his ending, moreover, a stroke of lightning, seemed to be in keeping with his life. There was neither lingering, delay, nor warning. Of distinguished stock, noble, yet ordinary enough in all but name, his power is unexplained by hereditary. His family furnished no approach to greatness as history supplied no parallel to his dynamic intensity. Nor, we are informed, among his near kin does any inherit his volcanic energy. 
The world, however, was apparently well relieved of his tumultuous presence, for his influence was generally surveyed as destructive rather than constructive. He was unmarried, and the title went to a nephew. The cheaper journals abounded, of course, in details of his personal and private life that were freely copied into the foreign press, and supply curious material for the student of human nature and the psychologist. The amazing revelations, no doubt, were picturesquely exaggerated, yet the substratum of truth in them all was generally admitted. No contradictions, at any rate, appeared. They read like the story of some primitive, wild giant let loose upon the world, primitive because his specific brain-power was admittedly of no high order, wild because he was in favour of fierce, spontaneous action, and his mere presence on occasions could stir a nation, not alone a crowd, to vehement, terrific methods. His energy seemed inexhaustible, his fire inextinguishable. Legends were rife, even before he died, among the peasantry of his Scotch estates, that he was in league with the devil. His habit of keeping enormous fires in his private rooms, fires that burned day and night from January to December, and in open hearths widened to thrice their natural size, stimulated the growth of this particular myth among those of his personal environment. All manner of stories raged. But it was his strange custom out of doors that provided the diabolical suggestion. For behind a special walled-in place on an open ridge, denuded of pines in a distant part of the estate, a series of gigantic heaps of wood, all ready to ignite, were, it was said, kept in a state of constant preparedness, and on stormy nights, especially when winds were high, and invariably at the period of the equinoctial tempest, his lordship would himself light those tremendous bonfires, and spend the nocturnal hours in their blazing presence, communing, the stories variously relate, with the witches of their Sabbath, or with hordes of fire-spirits, who emerged from the bottomless pit in order to feed his soul with the unquenchable supplies. From these nightly orgies it seems clear, at any rate, he returned at dawn with a splendour of energy that no one could resist, and with a mane whose grandeur invited worship rather than inspired alarm. His biography, it was further stated, would be written by Sir John Hendricks, Bart, who began life as private secretary to his father, the eighth Marquess, but whose rapid rise to position was due to his intimate association as trusted friend and adviser to the subject of these obituary notices. The biography, however, had not appeared. Within five years of Lord Oakham's sudden death, and curiosity is only further stimulated by the suggestive whisper that it never will, and never can appear. 
End of The Regeneration of Lord Ernie by Algernon Blackwood.